Arkansas Row Crops Radio, providing up-to-date information and timely recommendations on row crop production in Arkansas. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Weeds Are Wild podcast series on Arkansas Row Crops Radio. This is Tom Barber, Extension Weed Scientist with the University of Arkansas System Division of Agriculture. And unfortunately for all of y'all out there in podcast land, I don't have a guest today, so you'll just have to bear with me as I kind of go through what's happened the last week and, and some of the calls that we're getting now. And hopefully before long, we're going to be able to lay most of this crop by and, and uh, I won't get any calls anymore and I'll just take off the month of July. And so that'll be great for me anyway. Uh, no, seriously, I wish I could do that, but we all know that's probably not going to happen. So... Um, some of the topics of the day for this podcast, I believe this is episode 14, if we've counted right. And this time of year is usually when we just get a lot of random calls. Uh, One of the main ones I'm getting lately is, is my pigweed resistant? And, you know, most of this is following applications of dicamba, uh, or blue phosphonate for the most part. And, you know, our weather pattern has been so crazy, it seems to me, this year. We've had places that have gotten plenty of rain, some maybe too much rain, and others where we've got very little rain at all, like uh, on some of our research plots there at the Mariana Station. So uh, it's all across the board. I think uh, not only pigweed questions, but also barnyard grass. Those are the two top ones still as far as calls coming in. The barnyard grass calls, honestly, that I'm getting the most of lately have been in soybeans or cotton, uh, some cotton fields. And so uh, between barnyard barnyard grass, goose grass, and pigweed, those are the top three weeds I'm probably getting calls on right now. And are they resistant? Well, depends, obviously, on what chemical we're talking about. But to loop back around to pigweed, uh, do we have widespread resistance to dicamba? Uh, as far as I know, the answer to that question is, is no locally in some fields we are struggling. I will say based on the calls I've been getting, um, and some of that may just be due to the dry weather and the other environmental conditions that have, uh, plagued us this year. But, uh, all in all, uh, we have some areas of the state where you see a lot of, a lot more pigweed escapes than others. Uh, Northeast Arkansas has always had a target as far as being the, I guess, the ideal environment for pigweed growth and development because it just seems to grow and produce better there in three or four counties in Northeast Arkansas than it does the rest of the state for whatever reason. So we are still struggling with pigweed control in Northeast Arkansas. Uh, we do have fields where glufosinate resistance is more widespread. Uh, we don't, to my knowledge, have many confirmed dicamba uh, resistant populations uh, through that part of the state. But I, I do know from talking to growers and consultants that, you know, we may have some increased tolerance uh, at minimum uh, in some of those populations. And uh, so, you know, a lot of that, again, uh, can be solved by environmental conditions sometimes or uh, better application practices. Uh, There's several different factors that go into whether a herbicide application is effective or not, but we do know that just across the river in Tennessee, uh, the pigweed resistance to dicamba uh, and 2,4-D is becoming more widespread. So uh, 
it'd be foolish for us to think that we don't have some of that over here uh, in Arkansas already. Uh, so what about the grass control failures? And again, uh, barnyard grass is some of the biggest are the biggest culprits. Some of the, uh, the questions that I'm getting right now, again, every year at the end of June, first of July, when we see these temperatures go up, I get failed barnyard grass, uh, calls. So we sprayed Roundup in the mixture. Um, we didn't kill the grass. Why? And there's again, many factors that go into that. Number one thing, the grass has to be actively growing. And so when we see hot, dry conditions, uh, that grass is not going to be actively growing. It'll actually go into reproductive mode a lot of times, and, and uh, we're just not going to kill it with anything. So uh, do we have some resistance? We might. We might have some built-up resistance to Roundup. Uh, again, it's across the river in Mississippi. It's across the river in Tennessee. be foolish to think that we don't have some of that over here. I don't believe it's widespread at this point. Uh, but when we talk about goosegrass, on the other hand, we have confirmed goosegrass uh, resistance to glyphosate in Arkansas, and, and I get a lot of calls on goosegrass. And goosegrass is another one of those hardy grasses that when it gets this time of year, it's just hard to kill. You basically have to uh, drop a brick on it to do any good. And so, you know, it's not that we've had an increase in resistance, I think, as much as it is just an advent of the season uh and and the conditions that we're having and uh you know environmental conditions go a long way and how well our herbicides work especially on on goosegrass a very hardy hardy weed so i think you know for those that have asked uh we're using making making a follow application with uh, glyphosate where we've had some failure and putting in an acca's uh, whether it's clethodim or select uh, or something that's got quasalifop in it, like a Sure 2. Uh, if you can find some fusillate out there, uh, something like that. But mixing something in with glyphosate to give us a little boost, uh, maybe on that follow-up application where we've had a failure. Uh, the other questions I've been getting lately uh, revolve around programs and which programs are working best. And I was fortunate enough last week to uh, attend the Anheuser-Busch uh, Field Day at Jonesboro and I quoted a, a, a line I got from a farmer earlier that week. It basically summed up the season pretty well, and it doesn't really matter if we're talking about rice or any other crop, but, but basically he said, where I got my residuals out and caught the rain, I'm clean. And I think that pretty much sums it up across the board for us. Uh, we rely so heavily on residuals anymore, uh, regardless of the crop that we're talking about, uh, we rely on timely application of those residuals, meaning we have to get them out and then uh, before the crop comes up or before the weeds come up, and then we need that timely rainfall to uh, activate those. And without the rain, they're not any good. And so uh, will they sit there? Yeah, we've talked about they can sit there, but then there's that, that window of time where we'll apply the residual it won't be activated because we missed a rate or whatever, uh, but the weeds have enough moisture to germinate and come up uh, through the non-activated herbicide. So uh, the rainfall is just as critical uh, as the timeliness of that residual. And, and um, you know, with our weather pattern this year, it's been hard to place residuals everywhere where they call a timely rate. I'll use Mariana, the Lee County area. 
the area around Mariana, again, uh, as an example, uh, we've got three or four locations where we put out uh, herbicide research plots. Mariana's one of my biggest ones, but I cannot buy rain at Mariana when I need it this year. And so we've had very little rainfall there. Uh, our residual programs are looking ratty. Uh, at best, when we finally do catch the rain, uh, we've had that window of time where the weeds have already germinated, so we don't have enough reach back to control the weeds, and we're in a mess before we know it. And I think those fields, uh, when you drive around and you see weeds, and there's going to be a, a lot of grass, a lot of pigweeds in, in some of this crop this year. But when you see that, a lot of that goes back to just the timing of that rainfall and, and when we put our residuals out and whether or not we got activated in time there. So unfortunately, we're with pigweed and barnyard grass. Uh, some of these other grasses, we're living in a world where uh, if we can't keep them from coming up, we struggle with killing them in the crop for whatever reason, especially this time of year. So success or not success this year is going to be based on how well we, we timed our residuals in, in regards to a rainfall. And uh, as we farm a lot of acres and a lot of this crop, all we've talked about this on the podcast, most of this crop was planted within a two-week period. Uh, and so it all has to be sprayed about the same time. And, and, uh, so, you know, it's hard to get across the ground and be as timely as we need to be, but the rains are critical, uh, to success as we know with these residual programs. Um, do I have a favorite herbicide program? You know, just looking back on the year, what's worked in the past is still performing very well this year. If we're talking about cotton, two residuals up front are still the best. The Cotteran-Caparol combination that we've used in the past, the Cotteran-Brake combination is very good. Um, I can really tell a difference this year at Mariana where we included Dicamba in our pre-emerge program. It is night and day different uh, just due to the lack of rainfall. And that's what we've been saying all along these last several years is that Dicamba can have a good fit up front at planting uh, to give us some insurance when uh, we don't catch a rain to activate those residuals. And so uh, we see that uh, effect uh, really well, or we, we see that major effect at Marietta this year because of the lack of rainfall. Now, at, at down in southeast Arkansas where we have plots or at Newport, we've received some more timely rains, and so we don't see that, as, that effect as much there. But uh, for sure, where the rain was lacking, we we can see that row to row. Um, got a lot of calls this week about laybys in cotton, or uh, how late is it? Can I go putting uh, zidua or impregnating fertilizer and putting putting the fertilizer out? And if I stick my cotton agronomist hat on for a second, uh, and we've talked about this, I think, on upper other episodes of the podcast, but. Just general cotton agronomics. I don't like putting a big load of nitrogen out uh, after bloom, really. And so uh, most of our fertilizer is somewhat front-end loaded on cotton. A lot of people put some out at planting, followed by a, a second application around the squaring time or whatever. That initial squaring time for me, uh, I think, is kind of a good time where we can mix some nitrogen and, and some potash uh, together to get the zidual, uh, on the fertilizer and get enough product out to, to get good coverage. 
And again, we've talked about that being somewhere around that 250 pound of uh, product mark as far as how much fertilizer we need to get out there. So obviously we don't want to do all of that with urea. So uh, most of it is ammonium sulfate or, uh, you know, ammonium sulfate potash blend, something like that. And so where we've done this, uh, again, this is our second or third year now looking at Zidua impregnated fertilizer. Uh, it looks really good. This year is no different. Again, at Mariana, we're struggling to get a rainfall, so I'm curious to how that's going to play out. We are watering, uh, but as we all know, watering down the row is, is not as good as the rain when we're talking about in, incorporating and, and moving herbicides, especially into the bed uh, portion of the, of, the, of the field. So, uh, you know, the verdict's still out right now. I'm fairly pleased with it. Uh, I think it's a good way to get a residual out that's very effective on pigweed. And um, if if everybody would break the lay-by rigs out of the out of the bushes and the hoods out of the bushes uh, or off the turn row and get them back going, I think we would be a lot better off and a lot cleaner at harvest uh, and cotton and not just with pigweed and grass. The number one call I got about weeds last year at harvest was grass. And it could be barnyard grass, it may be southwestern cup grass, uh, millets, there's uh, Texas panicle. There's all kinds of grasses uh, as we're watering, you know, on a pretty strict schedule that can come up and break through the, any of the last residual we put out. So uh, laying by just for grass has become, in my opinion, an important uh, process. So again, if we can't get it, if we're not willing to try a new method of uh you know, encapsulating or uh, impregnating some of this zidua on, not encapsulating, that's about where it'd be more like impregnating or treating some of this fertilizer to, to get the zidua on there and get it out that way, then we're really going to have to take a deep dive look at either drop nozzles or uh, post-direct rigs to get us an extra residual out to get that lay-by application out again. So critical in wide row crop production. So if we're wide row beans, wide row cotton, that lay-by application, even though it seems to be a pain and nobody wants to do it anymore, for those that are doing it, we're cleaner at the end of the year and at harvest. We are definitely cleaner. Uh, got some questions on, can we, you know, the Valor, what's the best lay-by in cotton? If we're going to put one out, uh, Valor or Fierce, uh, especially Fierce, in my mind, is one of the better ones. Uh, for anything that has Valor in it or Flumioxazin in it, from a herbicide standpoint, we need at least three inches of bark, and we need a good operator that doesn't raise the uh, lay-by rig or hoods up, because uh, if we hit that green stem tissue, we can cut some of those cotton plants. They may break over later once they get heavy. So, um, again... It does take a little slower. It's a, it's a slower process, if, if everybody remembers, but it is critical in maintaining a weed-free field through through harvest. Uh, diuron. It, you know, I don't know how much longer we'll be able to use diuron uh, after this year, but while we can use it, it's cheap, and it goes a long way as, uh, as an application. I mean, that used to be the standard. Uh, MSMA, diuron, Roundup, uh, you know, pretty good lay-by program in cotton and it's pretty cheap so um 
I guess the point I'm trying to make is we're about to reach a critical time where I think we're going to have to either start applying some of our residuals on fertilizer or have the mindset that we're just going to have to take the time to break these uh, lay-by rigs out, especially in our problem fields, and get some more residual herbicide out there uh, before the cotton canopies. So I think I'm going to close with that. Uh, as always, I know that uh, many of you have commented and, and sent us some, uh, uh, not necessarily hearing a lot of critiques, but just ideas for the podcast. So if y'all if y'all want to continue to do that, we welcome that. Uh, um, if you have any critiques about the podcast, I think you should contact Tommy Butts as we move all complaints. He's in charge of the complaint department. So send all those complaints to him. Uh, I'd appreciate that. But as always, we want to thank you for tuning in, especially today to hear me ramble on about weed control by myself. And uh, again, if you need to shoot us an email, you can shoot me an email at tbarber at uada.edu. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Weeds Are Wild podcast series on Arkansas Row Crops Radio. Arkansas Row Crops Radio is a production of the University of Arkansas System Division of Agriculture. For more information, please contact your local county extension agent or visit uaex.uada.edu.